Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So we are uh, continuing the series we started last week called From This Day Forward. It's, we're going to spend about five weeks talking about marriage. Last week, we uh, talked about how, well, first of all, the whole series is about, uh, you know, five commitments that we can make to fail-proof our marriages. And uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, we, one of the things we talked about last week was that, you know, marriage is pretty difficult. It's difficult to stay married to someone for your entire life. And, um, and we can use all the help we can get. Luckily, the Bible gives us pr- plenty of great advice. And uh, when we live uh, lives and marriages that are honoring to God, uh, they, those are the types of marriages that tend to go the distance. And so we're going to talk about these five commitments. Last week, we talked about the first one, uh, which was seek God. Before we get there, though, I, I just want to say this. I don't know if you know this, but um, men and women pretty much don't understand each other. Anybody uh, figure that out yet? <coughs> like, we really don't. We really don't get each other. And just when you think you're getting, uh, starting to understand your spouse, uh, they throw you a curveball that is just like, what? You know, you're like, uh, how? I did, I did not see that coming. I did not expect to get chewed out for that. I, you know, whatever it was. You, you just, we just don't understand each other. One of the things that bugs me, kind of this battle of the sexes that's gone over, on throughout the years, one of the things that bugs me is um, I've noticed in modern media, in TV shows and things like that, the guy, the husband, the, the father is always portrayed as the doofus. Anybody notice this? Like he's always the butt of the joke in commercials, on TV shows. There's no strong men anymore. I love, one of my favorite, I'm dating, actually I'm beyond dating myself, but um, one of my favorite male characters in the history of, of anything is uh, Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. Anybody ever see that movie? Like, oh, you gotta, you gotta go watch that movie. It's black and white, but it is awesome. And um, anyway, great, great male figure in a movie. We don't have guys like that anymore. There are no more Gary Coopers. There's just big doofuses on TV. And um, it drives me crazy. It's one of my biggest gripes. And, um, but, so I was looking, though, also at kind of some advertising pieces at throughout the uh, last several decades. And uh, I wanted to show you some of these, too. Um, look at this. Is, I'm calling this the Stupid Series. This is Stupid in the 30s. Stupid in the 30s. Look at this one. Give her a Hoover and you give her the best. Look at this guy sticking a, 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 a vacuum cleaner underneath the Christmas tree, but it's in a clear plastic bag. It looks like he got it out of the evidence room. And um, it, it's just, do not do that. Do not give her a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. Even if she asks for it, it's a trap. Don't do it. Um, just, just don't. Okay, so this is uh, stupid in the 40s. Go ahead. <coughs> these, these only get better, trust me. All right, look at this one. Men are better than women. Look at this woman hanging by the rope down here. This is, it's, uh, you can't read. <laughs> wow. It says, you, you can't read it, but it says indoors women are useful. Uh, even, um, <laughs> anyway, it says, but on a mountain, they're uh, something of a drag. So don't take them up a cliff just to show off your hiking sweater. Um, this is a advertisement about sweaters, and it starts off with men are better than women. Um, so that's horrible. That was stupid. It's stupid in the 50s. Go ahead. Stupid in the 50s. Okay. If, you're, if your husband ever finds out you're not store testing for fresher coffees, I guess you have to expect a spanking, ladies. Um, that's horrible. That's stupid with a capital S. And then this next one, it, it, you would think as we get older, they get better. You know, we get more mature about things. But nope, look, it's stupid in the 60s. It's, it's nice to have a girl around the house. 
This is an advertisement for slacks. How is that advertising slacks in any way, shape, or form? I didn't even know there was a Mr. Legs slacks. That's weird. And so, um, but <coughs> anyway, so that's horrible. Stupid in the 70s. This is great. Blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. Um, wow. So, just when I was feeling all this righteous indignation about how men are treated in the media today, I came across those and I'm thinking, we probably deserve another decade or so of being treated like doofuses on TV. So, that's, that's horrible. Go ahead and take that down. Um, so, this is... Um, you know, our five commitments, go ahead and put those up. Our five commitments that we're going to commit to, I want you to say them with me. First of all, last week we talked about how we're going to seek God. We're going to pray together, um, pray together every day, pray for each other, pray with each other. Today we're going to talk about how we're going to fight fair. Then we're going to next week talk about how it's important to have fun, then to stay pure, and then never give up. Say them with me. We're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. Say it with conviction this time. We're going to seek God, fight fair, have fun. Stay pure and never give up. All right, so these are our five uh, commitments that we're going to make. So well, let's dig into this. <coughs> when it comes to... <coughs> I'm, I'm just going to take a minute, sorry. <coughs> okay. When it comes to um, this concept of fighting fair, it's, it's critical. It's huge. Uh, that we learn to do this. I, I'm just going to tell my story here. Your story may be totally different. Um, but first of all, the, the, the stuff we're going to talk about today can be talked about in the context of any relationship, relationship with friends, family, siblings, parents, coworkers. You know, uh, we're going to talk about it mostly in the context of, of dealing with a spouse today. But when it comes to like my history of this, uh, I, I can just tell well, one of my favorite um, Quotes is, is from a guy named Rick Warren who wrote The Purpose Driven Church or Purpose Driven Life. He wrote the, both of them. Anyway, so he, uh, he said this. He said, all marriage counseling can be boiled down to two words, grow up, grow up. And it's so true. It's, it's so true that one of the biggest uh, flashlights that will shine on your, your own immaturity is marriage. There is a, that, was, that was my story. That when Jamie and I first got married, um, that first year was so incredibly difficult on me, um, and and then you know also on her because it was so difficult on me. Um, and it was because it wasn't because we had financial troubles. It wasn't anything like that. It was because um, I had to learn how to start thinking about someone other than me. And that whole first year was this exercise of me learning how to not be a selfish jerk. And, and learning to, um, again, just think of someone before I thought of myself. And that, that uh, surpri- I, I was kind of surprising to me. I didn't know it was going to be so difficult. I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and it turns out I was a much bigger jerk than I had even realized. And so um, just that whole exercise that, you know, just very immature. And so, so as we began to argue, as couples will, <coughs> Um, it became my, because of my immaturity, uh, my whole goal was winning the argument. Like, like I, I was just, that was my goal. I had no thought for, you know, how can we become a better couple? It was just, I need to win the argument. And, and so I would say or do whatever I needed to say or do to shut this thing down and for me to have a last word and me to feel like I won. 
And as a result, I found myself often saying things that were just incredibly hurtful um, because that could could win and end an argument in my mind faster than anything. And so, you know, if you're you're married or if you've been in a relationship with anybody for any length of time, you know those... um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, two or three things that you can say to that person that will just cut like a knife. It's those kind of off-limit things, you know, like if they hate their, you know, father, you say, you're acting just like your dad, or if, you know, whatever. And um, I'm, don't write these down. This is not advice. I'm just, <laughs> so, um, you know, or just, what, you know, whatever. There's just things that you can say that you just know. You know the buttons to push on your spouse that will just cut, just dig, and uh, the things that bug them the most, and you just, you strike that nerve, and you know, when I say this, okay, we're, we're going to a whole different level in this argument now, and so I would go there. I would go there. I would, uh, you know, things, I, things would get heated. I would, you know, Jamie's a pretty good arguer, and, and so she would start winning, and so I would, get, I would get unfair, and I would just, you know, go for the jugular and say things that were really hurtful, and, um, and so I began this whole pattern of, um, you know, several years of fighting unfairly with Jamie. And we did that back and forth with each other. It was, it was just really ugly. It was, it was incredibly ugly. Um, now, the whole, keep in mind, the whole time we're going through this kind of unhealthy, you know, banter back and forth. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. A lot of those years I was a minister in a church. Um, yet... I would have this feeling, I would talk to some of my friends and I would say things like, I don't understand, like I feel really good about my relationship with Christ. I feel like I'm growing that way and like things are spiritually for me are going really well. But I don't understand how me and Jesus can be like this when Jamie and I feel like this. And I would say that sort of thing. And and then after several years, I began to realize that um, I was just fooling myself. Me and Jesus were not like this. Me and Jesus were also like this. I had just fooled myself into believing that there was this closeness there when in all reality, um, the stuff that was going on in my marriage was symptomatic of my own spiritual failings. And so when I got a a firmer grip on that and realized I had some kind of deep-seated spiritual issues I needed to work through myself, um, that's when things started to change a little bit, started to change. Um, but over the years, we, we kind of learned how to do this, how to fight fair with each other. I, you know, we talked about last week that <coughs> Jamie and I are not the couple that have any illusions that we're going to reach a day where we suddenly just don't fight anymore um, because we're both very strong-willed and, and pig-headed and, and, uh, and, and me, me so more than her. But we, we, just, we, just, we just do. We argue. And, but we've learned how to do it in a way that is healthy versus a way that is just hurtful to each other. Um, and that's, that's critical. And this is what you need to know. Um, you know, if you're in a marriage, uh, I'm guessing it's going to be somewhat similar where you're probably not going to reach that day where you just, where all arguments cease. Um, if you do, one of you is ceased to try. One of you has stopped trying. Um, because you cannot be in that close of a relationship with someone and not occasionally disagree or not occasionally be bugged by something they do or say or whatever. It's just, it's just human nature. And the question is, are, are you going to deal with it or are you going to bottle it up? And we'll get to that more in a second. But 
The Bible gives us some pretty good advice about this, <coughs> as the Bible tends to do. <clears throat> and so we're going to look at James, James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. James says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay? Now we're going to zero in on those three things that he says that we need to be. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and uh, slow to anger. But I want to sit for just a second on that last phrase where he says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let's say you're that person like I was at one time where, you know, I'm trying to be a Christ follower, trying to, you know, to be a spiritual person, to, to have a relationship with God. And, um, but yet I've got this anger issue, this, you know, this losing my temper issue that was constantly out of control. And you have to deal with this truth that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That when your temper is out of control, when you find yourself constantly doing destructive things, saying hurtful things, um, because of your anger, your goal might be to get closer to Christ but you're going to be disappointed because that's not going to happen. It's something that you have got to get under control. If you know the Old Testament at all, there's this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Moses. Moses. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was in a movie called uh, The Prince of uh, Egypt. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's him. Okay? So Moses was this, this guy that uh, grew up Egyptian even though he was Jewish, and um, he... Um, God chose him to lead the children of Israel out of slavery and into their own land, the promised land. And, um, but Moses had this temper problem. Like Moses is God's chosen guy. Like Moses has a magic staff. <coughs> Probably shouldn't say magic, a miracle staff. And uh, um, I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got, he, he can do all these things through the power of God. And I mean, he's all these miracles. I mean, it's just some of the most amazing miracles recorded in the Bible were performed, you know, by God through Moses. Now, this, this same guy that was such a powerful man of God just had this out-of-control temper to the point that, you know, as a young man, he, he got angry and murdered an Egyptian and went on the lamb. And then, um, and, then, and then later in life, you know, as he's leading the children of Israel, he's just constantly losing his temper, just, just flying off the handle. And God keeps warning him, like, you've got to get this under control. And then finally, one day, they're out in the desert. They've been wandering around for many, many years. <clears throat> and they're thirsty. They have no water. And the people begin to whine and complain. And Moses is just sick. I mean, he's just sick of them. Like he just, just had it up to here with their, you know, just griping. And so he, go, he goes to God and he's like, you know, these people are thirsty. You got to get them off my back. And God's like, I'll, I'll take care of it. But he tells Moses, take your staff and touch the rock and water will pour, pour, pour from the rock. And they'll have water. And so Moses you know, he's still listening. They're still complaining. You know, he's getting ready to perform this miracle, and they're still complaining. He just gets angry. He takes his staff, and he just, just starts wailing on the rock. He's just, just angry, right? And God, at that point, was like, that's, I, that's it. You think you've had enough. I've had enough. And, and so what happens was, you know, one of the biggest dreams of Moses' life was to lead these people into their promised land. And God says, because, because you haven't listened to me, because you haven't gotten this thing under control, uh, you don't get to go in. You're going to lead them there, but I'm not going to let you cross over into the promised land. 
And so that's what happens. They get to the promised land, and Moses goes up on a mountain and dies. And that's a beautiful death. You read the story. I mean, God carries him off into heaven, and I mean, it's, you know, he's, he makes it to heaven. It's all, all is well, right? But, but how sad would it be if we were that, if we were like Moses, where, you know, let's say we're all trying to, you know, we're all trying to follow God. We're all trying to get to heaven someday, and we all make it. But we come to find out that, you know, the biggest dream of your life was withheld from you because you couldn't get something as simple as your temper under control. I just think that's incredibly, I mean, just think for just saying, what's the biggest dream of your life? Maybe it's a career goal. Maybe it's a family dream, you know, something with your, your husband or wife or with your kids or, you know, whatever. The biggest dream of your life. What if God said, you're not going to get to see that dream because... You haven't listened to me. You haven't paid attention to this. You haven't got this thing under control. I, I just think that's incredibly, incredibly sad. I think the same is true in the context of marriage that there could be some of you that have kind of okay marriages that could have like incredible marriages if you would just listen to God and get this thing under control. If you would learn how to do what this verse in James talks about and be you know, slow to are quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit this morning. So, there, you know, God's got these rules for fighting fair, and the first one is this. We need to guard our words faithfully. <coughs> I apologize, guys. We need to guard our words faithfully. And, you know, that verse says we need to be slow to speak, so to speak. I love the way Proverbs says it. Proverbs 18 and 2 says this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Such a great verse. A fool takes he doesn't he doesn't want to understand anything. He just wants to be heard. He just wants to be loud. He just wants to have his opinion heard. That's that sort of thing. That guy is a fool. That girl's a fool. Okay? And and we need to be people that aren't like that. That we are slower to speak, right? That we're slower to speak. We kind of guard our words. And we are, we've already talked about, you know, you know, you've got those words kind of, you know, locked up in the back of your mind that you can pull out and use that'll really wound, you know, your spouse. And I'm telling you to stop it. Stop using them. You got to, you got to, you know what they are. You know, those hurtful things that you can say, and maybe it's threatening divorce, maybe whatever it is, whatever it is, you got to put those things away, put them to bed, put them to rest for good, put them to death and stop using them. You have to make a commitment. I'm not going to do that anymore, anymore. You guys know that the, the most basic needs of men and women are, are, are different, that the most basic need of a man is respect. It, it, it's, it's the most, I mean, if a man does not feel like he has respect, either at work or <coughs> in his community or at home, whatever it is, um, it's a horrible feeling for a man. It's an awful feeling. And, and, and ladies, you, you have no idea the power you have, the, that your words have in your man's life. The power you have to build for yourself a better man, just in the way you speak to him, in the way that you build him up, in the way that you show that you indeed do respect him. If you choose to, um, to constantly throw words and, and fight in a way with him that is disrespecting him, is emasculating him, is questioning, constantly questioning his ability to lead and, and things like that. You are tearing your man down, tearing your man down. Has anybody ever seen, um, 
there's a, I can't say who it is because somebody may, might listen to this on the podcast, but um, there was a, I'll just say a couple who is a member of my family um, that once they got older, um, <laughs> it's hard for me not to say, the, the, the lady in this couple had just chewed this man to death to where he was just a shell of a man when he died. Just a shell of a man. Like he had just been torn down for decades. And when he died, it was like he was hardly even a man anymore. And that, that's the power your words have over your husband, ladies. And the reverse of that is true. If you learn to speak words of, of building up, of encouragement, of confidence into your man, um, you have no idea what the kind of impact that has. When Jamie <coughs> um, blesses me in that way, I, I, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better for me than knowing that my wife believes in me. That, that when, when I'm impressed with a dream or you know, a goal, even if it's silly to some, that if she speaks confidence in me and, and, and if she shows respect to me, it, I, I, you have no idea what that does to me. The, the, the reverse is not quite the same. Now, now these, I know this may be kind of sweeping generalizations and there might be exceptions to this. I acknowledge that. But the primary need for, for most women is, is love. Love. The Bible speaks to this, by the way. The, the, the primary need for most women is love. A, a woman needs to know that she is loved, that she is cared for, that, that she is heard, that, um, that her husband is, that will, you know, that there is some security in their relationship, that, that, that she needs to feel loved. And men, when you speak to your wife in a way that, that makes them feel um, um, hated, that makes them feel um, unsecure in their relationship with you or in their life, um, you are, again, damaging that woman in incredible, incredible ways. That you, the words you choose, guys, to speak to your wife, if you choose words that build her up in such a way that make her feel genuinely loved and cared for. Now, for guys, I, I don't know if the reverse is true. I'm a guy, so I can only speak from my experience. I don't know if the reverse, reverse is true. But for guys, a lot of us, that, that's kind of hard to do. We feel uh, maybe a little weak or whatever it is, you know, to speak, to, you know, to, to show emotion and, you know, things like that or, or to, you know, really reach out to our wives in the way that they need. But I'm telling you, if you put your ego aside and you build up your wife in that way, uh, you same, the same as I said earlier, you build for yourself a better woman. You build for yourself a better woman. And so be, you know, quick. I'm sorry, slow. Be slow to speak. Be, be, be slow, you know, be, don't just spout off the first things that come to your mind. Instead, be thoughtful about what you say. Be thoughtful. Second thing is this. That, uh, if we're going to fight fair, we're going to stop to listen carefully. This is huge. <clears throat> We're going to stop to listen carefully. Proverbs 21 and 23 says this. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue 
keeps himself out of trouble. This is God's way of saying shut up. This is God's way of just saying just, just shut up, right? Somebody said, uh, was asking a while back about, you know, if you could go back and, you know, give any advice to the younger version of you, what would you tell yourself? And I was thinking through that, and, and I would just, I would just, I would go back to my 20-year-old self, and I would just say, just, just shut up. Just, just stop talking. You don't know as much as you think you know. Just shut up. Listen. Listen to the people around you. Don't think you have to have all the answers. Don't think you have to engage. Just shut up. Right? I would, I would really tell myself that. And there'll probably be a day when my 60-year-old self would tell my 40-year-old self that too. But it, it, it's, it's so, that whole concept of being quicker to hear than you are to speak. It's, the found, it's one of the foundations of, of counseling. If you're going to offer counsel to anyone, you have to be able to listen. If you just talk and talk and talk, you're of no earthly good to anybody. But if you can sit back and listen and hear, and the same is true in your marriage. If you can, <coughs> what happens so often, <coughs> what happens so often is that in marriage, um, we reach this kind of boiling point where we kind of say, you know, I've had it and I'm going to say this and we say it. And then for the other person, the, 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 the reaction is, well, just that, I'm going to react. I'm going to I'm going to, now this person has said this thing, and I'm going to react to that. And, I'm, and, then, and then you just get all angry back and forth. And when, if, if you would learn to, when, when you're approached in an aggressive way, maybe even an attacking way, if you would learn to just pause, take a deep breath, and try to hear what they're saying, instead of defending yourself, instead of jumping into it, but actually try to hear. And it might cause, you might have to, because a lot of times, what is being said is not really the issue. And, and again, I'm going to speak from my own experience because I'm, I'm a guy. But guys, when you're listening to your, you know, when, when your wife maybe comes at you and, you know, she's had enough and she, she comes at you a little aggressive, if you can train yourself to, to, you know, listen to what is being said and then sometimes what is being said doesn't quite make sense to you guys. And so then the trick is... And I'm going to dig deep and try to find the golden nugget of what was actually meant, okay? And, and so that requires asking some questions. That requires saying, okay, um, and calmly, you know, responding back and saying, I, I, I need you to help me with this. You know, what is it, you know, what is it you're trying to say? What do you mean by that? Um, you know, whatever. But asking some other questions in a way that's not snarky or, or, you know, whatever, but just, just coming back and trying to dig in deeper and finding out what's going on. Because a lot, and this is what happens when you do that, when you finally hit that nerve where that person actually says the thing down deep, that is, it was usually a surface thing that they attack you about, and there's something down deeper that's bugging them. And when that deep thing comes out, then you can usually come back and say, oh, a lot of times it's, it's something like, I didn't mean that at all. Or I, I can understand how you would feel that way. I can under, understand how me doing that made you feel that way, and I'm, and I'm sorry about that. But it, it, it's that act of listening well. And when you can do that, it is, it's huge. It's huge. Because then you start to feel respected. Then you start to feel heard. Whereas in normal relationships, it's just this bitter back and forth, and nothing, ever, nothing good ever comes of it. No breakthroughs are, 
are ever made. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to listen carefully. We're going to be quick to hear. The third one is this. We're going to handle our anger righteously. <coughs> we're going to handle our anger righteously, slow to anger. Ephesians 4, start with verse 26, says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. All right? Now, some of you didn't know it was actually possible to be angry and not sin. Because I think a lot of times we have this, this idea in our head that anger itself is the sin. I got I to gotta keep myself from getting angry. But there's actually some anger that is well justified. Sometimes it's, I think sometimes it's wrong not to be angry. There are some things that go on in this world that if it doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong with you. And I'm going to tell you what, occasionally there can be some things that go on in your marriage that if it doesn't make you angry, there's something wrong with you. Because none of us are perfect. I guarantee you I have given Jamie plenty of reasons to be angry at me, and she was justified for them. And I guarantee you she's given me plenty of reasons too. That's, that's the nature of a relationship. And, 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 and what we have to do is learn to, how to deal with that anger in a healthy way. Because if you're just flying off the handle, if you're just speaking ugliness and hate and hurt to each other and threatening divorce and everything else, and it's just, you know, just this horrible, you know, just bickering and, and you know, <clears throat> nothing, again, nothing healthy ever comes of that. But if you learn to get angry in a way where it's like, okay, I've had enough, I'm angry, we need to have a talk, this might take a while, you might need to clear your calendar for today, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get through this today, Right? And you do it in a way where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, this thing's been bugging me. I'm going to speak this. And, and then you start the back and forth. You start the back and forth. Some of us need to be angry. And that's okay. It, it, but don't let, your anger cause you, don't let your anger cause you to sin. Now, for me, I, I'm, that, I'm that stereotypical, you know, fiery redhead. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm that, I'm, I'm that short tempered guy where it's just really easy for me to go from, you know, just, just explode. And I have to work really hard on, on reining that in. And sometimes I'm successful, <coughs> sometimes not so much, but we're all works in progress and we just work at it as hard as we can. Your, your guys, your wife, ladies, your husbands need to know that you care enough about them to put your egos aside and dig in and argue in a way that's healthy. Argue in a way that's healthy. Um, let, let, me, let me just give you some advice. If you are that couple that, or you're a member of a couple, <laughs> that um, you tend to be that person that just, you know, once the anger train starts rolling, you can't put the brakes on and, until there's just this volcanic explosion and and something horrible happens or something horrible is said, and then immediately you feel guilty, but you, you can't break, you can't stop, put on the brakes until you've crossed some horrible line, right? Um, I want to encourage you to, be, to, to, to start um, using a kind of timeout <coughs> where you, if you feel yourself getting to that boiling point and you know you're getting ready to say something hurtful, you're getting ready to do something that you might regret, you need to be able to call a timeout and, and maybe, you know, you work on some sort of phrase that's funny to you guys or whatever, but whatever, say, say timeout, say whatever, and, and, and put the brakes on, but it's a timeout. It's not a stop, okay? It's a, 
I need 10 minutes. I'm going to walk around the block. I need 30 minutes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to collect my thoughts because I'm getting ready to, I'm getting, I'm getting too hot here. I need to cool down. We're going to come back to this in 10 minutes. We're going to come back to this in 30 minutes when my head is clearer. Sometimes that's the, the best thing that you could possibly do. The best thing that you could possibly do. Now, chances are, if you're that person that blows his top or blows her top, then your spouse is that person that it would drive them crazy for you to call a timeout. Like, oh, no, no, we got to keep talking about this. There's no timeouts, right? You know, whatever. And, and it would absolutely drive them crazy. And I'm telling you, whichever spouse you are, honor the timeout. <coughs> honor it. Give your spouse the opportunity to cool off and come back and and deal with things in a, in a way that is, 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 is healthier, okay? It, 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 that is huge. It is huge to be able to do that. By the way, parents, I think this is a good strategy for your kids. If you've got, you got kids who are blowing their tops, give them the ability. Now, as a parent, this, this rolls all over me, but I, I promise it's healthier than the alternative. Give your kid the ability to call a timeout. If your kid is getting that point, point to where they're ready to you know, disrespect you in a serious way, let them, let them have the ability to say, I, I need a break. I'm going to walk around the block. Now, now for some of your parents, the, the thought of your kid walking away from you while you're trying to talk to them, that's, that, that's a whole other sermon, right? But, but I'm, I'm telling you, even for your kids, this can be a healthy thing. It can be a healthy thing. Now, for some of you, the issue is not that uh, you blow your top. Your issue is the exact opposite. You take it, you bottle it up, and you cram it down deep, and you never say anything, Right? Some of you are crammers. You, you, just, you just take that stuff and you bury it and, until one day, you know, we're hearing about you on the news, that sort of thing, okay? And so you don't want to be that person either. You don't, and so for some of you, the healthy thing is not, you know, are you, in, you know, call a timeout and put the brakes on. For some of you, the healthiest thing that you could possibly do is to go home tonight and have an argument. I'm, I'm dead serious about that. There are some of you that in your marriage is the healthiest thing, the best thing you could do for your, your marriage is to go home tonight and say, honey, we need, we need to talk. And actually say the things that are on your mind that you've been cramming down deep for however long. Actually get that stuff out to the surface. And there are some of you that just, you just absolutely shut down and it's tearing your marriage. The fact that you're not voicing yourself is tearing your marriage apart. There's, I've talked to spouses in this church that, that wish, that, that, that pray for their spouse to actually speak up and give an opinion. Because to them, it just looks like they don't care. Because they just keep bottling it up and cramming it down. And some of you need to do that. You need to have the ability to, to actually say, we need to, we need to do this. We know it's not going to be fun, but we need to do this. Does anybody watch The Office, the TV show The Office? <clears throat> love the office. I don't know if you followed it this last season, um, but Jim and Pam, you know, the couple on the show, they, their, their marriage has been on the, the rocks lately. I know I'm, I'm spoilers. Here we go. So um, I'll try to spoil as little as I can, but anyway, it, I'm not talking finale stuff. <clears throat> anyway, th their marriage has been a little bit on the rocks and, and um, there's this great episode a few weeks ago where they, um, Jim's been working out of town and they've just been growing apart and this whole thing. And, 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 They'd been bottling and cramming, bottling and cramming, and, 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 then, and every time they would kind of start talking, it would start getting tense, and then they would just kind of shut it down, and they'd just been following this pattern, and the, and, but as they, as they would do it, they would just feel more and more hopeless in their relationship, 
And it finally got to the point, it was like a, a birthday or a holiday or something, and they knew they should be spending some time together, but they, did, you know, they, they knew they were going to fight if they did. And, and Jim was like, you know, I'll just go. I'll just go back to Philadelphia and, you know, do my work or whatever. I'll see you later. And, uh, and I think Pam came back to him and said, no, um, I want you to stay. He said, we're going to fight. He, she said, we, I, I want us to fight. And it was one of the healthiest things because he, he came back and he's like, okay, we're, it's going to be a doozy. Let's do this, you know. But, um, but it was like one of the healthiest pictures of sometimes that's the most necessary thing. Sometimes it's, it's, it's hurtful to each other not to fight, not to engage each other and let each other know how you're feeling and that sort of thing. And so if, if you're that person that blows, stop, stop blowing up and cool down, you know, you know, use a level head. If you're that person that, that bottles up, let that stuff out. Let that stuff out. Um, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the most loving things I think you can do. Now, a couple of signs, four signs that you're not fighting fair. Uh, if you're experiencing any of this in your marriage, then, then you need to start taking some things seriously. And one is, the first one is criticizing. You're, you're, you're constantly criticizing, tear, and I'm talking, I'm not talking like constructive criticism. I'm talking like tearing down your spouse. Con, you know, you, you don't find anything useful about them. You're just constantly, constantly criticizing. There, there, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, that something's going on in your communication there. Contempt <coughs> is the second one. This is when you are, you're just like, oh, I can't, I don't even want to look at her face. Or, or you know, or, or, or you're, you know, wives, you're like, the thought of him, you know, climbing into bed with me just makes me sick. Or, you know, what, what, whatever that is, that, that contempt for each other. Like you start having really hateful thoughts about each other. Again, that's a pretty good sign something's off. Um, the third one, defensiveness. This is when your spouse can say something to you, like not even in an argument, just say something to you. And you immediately get defensive and you're like, what? What? You're just, you're, just, you're, just, you're just always on the defense because you're so accustomed to being criticized. You're so accustomed to being attacked that you just immediately go on the defense. Um, that's not a good situation either. And the last one is stonewalling. This is when you've reached that point where you're like, I'm just biding my time until the kids are out of school and then, then I'm out of here. And you've just kind of given up. You're just living together, you're roommates, and, and you pretty much can't stand each other. You're, just, you're not even going to try anymore. If, you're, if you find yourself, you know, any, any of those four describing your marriage or yourself and your marriage in any way, um, guys, those are major warning signs. Those are, those are huge things that you need to not just let go. <coughs> you need to take them seriously. You need to take them seriously. Um, that last phrase of that verse in Ephesians that we read said this, um, you know, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And it said, and give no, give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. And one of the things I, I, I need everyone to get this today, because this is not a small thing, it's a huge thing. You need to know that there is an enemy actively trying to destroy your marriage. Actively. If you are married and you're a child of God, you have an enemy who wants nothing more than to see your marriage fail. And he is sneaky and he is crafty and he can find ways in. And when you start giving him little footholds, little place, secure places to kind of jump in and latch on into your marriage, guys, what I'm saying is you have to be like uber protective of your marriage. Like, like, so, like, guard your marriage with everything that you've got. 
If you knew that tonight that there would be a, a, a burglar, a robber with plans to break into your house and take your things, or worse, take your kids, or, or whatever, um, then, then or, or take your things and leave your kids, or, you know, whichever, whichever is more frightening to you. Um, that, that, that if there was, if, if you knew that was getting ready to happen, like if you knew it was coming, would you just be like, well, let's see how this plays out? Or would you make some preparations? You'd be like all home alone on them, setting up booby traps and all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, you, you, would, you would take some precautions, alert some authorities, whatever. You would get serious about it. And I'm telling you, married couples, tonight there is an enemy trying to break into your home and do damage. Tonight. Tonight. And you need to be on your guard doing everything you can to protect yourself. We talked last week how that, that your marriage is, is your most, uh, your, the most valuable gift that God will give you. It's, I mean, it is, it is the most valuable gift outside of your salvation. The most valuable gift is your spouse. And you should treat it as if it's precious, as if you have to protect it. Because some, there are people, there are, there's an enemy who is coming for it. There's an enemy that's coming for it. So last week, I gave you some homework, and, and I'm going to give you some homework again, and, and it's just this. First thing is, I need you to keep praying together. Keep praying together every day, okay? And the second thing is this. <coughs> I want you to commit to each other to fight fair by, uh, first of all, honoring, if this is you and you need this, honor that temporary timeout, all right? If you feel yourself getting ready to blow up, call the timeout, spouse, honor the timeout, um, do that, all right? Or B, um, you need to actually go home and, and fight tonight, okay? Yes, your pastor is giving you advice to go home and fight tonight, all right? If you're that person that has been bottling things up and just cramming things down and, and, and your spouse is desperately wanting you to engage her or him, just to know that you actually care, if you feel like you've got this thing boiling up inside of you and you've just been, then you actually need to go home and say, we need to have a hard conversation. I need to get some things off my chest and, and do it in a way. Now, this is the thing. You guys know the pressure valve, once you start unleashing that, you know, unwinding that thing, a lot of times it has a, a tendency to, uh, you know, like totally blow and burn you and that sort of thing. It, now, this is, is going to happen for some of you. You're going you're gonna to say, okay, I'm going to go home, I'm going to open this up, I'm gonna go, honey, we need to talk, and it's going to be like, bah! you know, it's just going to be like this thing, and, and, and so then you have to honor the time out, okay, yeah. so then you have to kind of, kind of rein it in and be able to say, I want to do this in a way that's healthy, commit to yourself, commit to your spouse and to your God, I'm going to do this in a way that's healthy, I'm going to, I'm going to say the hard things I need to say in a way that is respectful, that is loving, that is all that, you know, that I, that I need to be. Now, okay, if your marriage is, is fine right now, I'm not trying to stir up stuff, okay? So I'm not saying go home and fight if there's nothing to fight about, although that might be fun too. Uh, but but I'm, I'm just saying if, if you've got some... Un- guys, this is the thing. Can we, can we just be real for just a second and then we're going to leave? But uh, this is... I know, okay? Quit sitting there pretending like your marriage is perfect. I know it's not. I know. I know it's not. 
Mine's not perfect. Yours is not perfect. If you think yours is perfect, you're wrong because your spouse doesn't think so, I guarantee you. Just, let's just get real for just a second. We don't come into this room and put on masks and pretend to be super Christians. If you've got issues, if there's an enemy in your house actively trying to destroy what is most precious to you, take it seriously and start dealing with it. Give me a call. I would be happy to sit down and do my version of counseling with you, and and you know, and, which is basically I'll yell at you for an hour. And, um, <laughs> and, and no, it's not. I, I, I promise it's not. But um, I would be I would be happy to help you in any way I possibly can. Have a conversation with your spouse. Do whatever it takes, but start taking it seriously, guys. I, I, the thought of us losing marriages, seeing marriages break apart in this church, there's nothing. That, that gets me choked up quicker than that. I love you guys too much to, to kind of pussyfoot around this issue. I'm not going to do it. You guys know you got issues to work out. Get real and start working them out. Quit hoping it's just going to magically fix itself because it's not. It's not. This is, you're not in a romantic comedy. Okay? It's not, not going to happen. Get real. Go to God in prayer. Get real about your faith. Get real about your marriage. And, uh, and let's, start, let's start working on these things. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, you're so good. Your word is so good to us. And, and um, I just thank you for being a God who can take us as we are. God, that we don't have to pretend that you're a big enough God to handle all of our dysfunction. And God, would you put a spirit of... of meekness and of gentleness in us where we need it. Um, God, would you give us the, the courage to actually address issues that need to be addressed before the enemy gets a stronger foothold into our marriages? Father, we love you. And we want to have marriages and families and lives that are honoring to you. So God, help us. Help us. So we just give ourselves to you one more time. God, I, I, I lift up a prayer right now for, God, if there's a marriage in the house right now <coughs> that is just crumbling as we speak. God, I pray that you would give that couple um, extra amounts of, of patience, of um, just love. Would you just generate love in them that they didn't even know still existed? I pray that you would bring healing to the marriages that need it. God, that we would be a church of marriages that don't just survive, but thrive. And um, so I ask your protection on the marriages of this church, on the families of this church. I ask your protection. God, where the enemy has already gained a foothold into our relationships. God, make it obvious to, it, to us and um, help us to combat it. Again, Father, we just love you. We're so thankful for your word to us this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody, have a great week. We will see you next week. Take care.